live from the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Did you guys know that the Swifty effect or the Swift effect got Kelsey's jersey selling at 400% higher this week? I did know that, AJ. I am everything Kelsey and everything Swift. It's just that I'm everything Jason Kelsey and DeAndre Swift, which might not be moving the needle of sales, but it is moving the needle of this Philadelphia Eagle fan and probably my fellow Philadelphia Eagle fan, Matt Josephs, who joins me for the first hour this afternoon in the belated, delayed mashup Monday on a Tuesday because Matt was off on Monday. Did you see during the game, Matt, when they did the split screen of the Eagle Kelsey and the Eagle Swift as opposed to the Chief Kelsey and the entertainer Swift. Yes, I did. And uh, the more successful of the two pairings they showed, obviously. Obviously. And I do believe somebody needs to get Taylor Swift a Swift Zero green and white Philadelphia Eagles jersey because I'm not at all happy with her crossing her allegiances here. She is a self proclaimed philadelphia eagle fan she told everybody at the link over the summer when she did her concert tour that she's a diehard eagle fan i can allow her to root for the chiefs early in the season but not when the eagles play the chiefs and not when they meet again in the super bowl matt uh i was actually debating this yesterday i don't think she could name five eagles if someone asked her to so i don't think she is but i feel like we have lost her if she and travis become an item no, we got to keep her as our own, I think. I mean, I'm not going to lose a sleep over it, but I think when push comes to shove, she's going to be an Eagle fan. True Eagle fan. I don't know. Anyway, it was fun, it, and it's been fun. And, hey, if it sells more jerseys, so be it. And they had fun with it on the game last night. And, look, you can argue that Taylor Swift is having her best season, but, Matt, I think DeAndre Swift is en route to having his best season. What a great acquisition for the Eagles, and he certainly shined last night. Uh, last two weeks he has, and um, you certainly understand he is. He's. He, I think he's better than Miles Sanders, and I think he. Uh, that running back room is a deadly one, and, of course, the commanders now have to get ready for it on Sunday. You know what else is the best part of it? He's from Philly. He's he's a Philly guy. He went to St. Joe Prep. He talks about their high school rivalry with LaSalle, which is literally in walking distance of where I grew up, by the way. LaSalle College High School, which is what it was called back in the day. So it's just really cool that he is able to ingrain himself, embrace himself, common thread in the city of Philly, and now he's playing for the hometown team, and he's playing it at such a high level. And I'll tell you, Matt, it was kind of interesting last night. I think the the national talking heads are actually a little bit more positive about the Eagles right now than maybe the local columnists and talking heads in Philadelphia. But the way I looked at it, um, they're 3-0. and uh, They're imperfect, but they're unbeaten, and I'll take that any day. Yes, exactly. You can play your best and lose, or you could play your worst and win. And uh, the, the wins are more important, especially in a 17-game season. 
and I don't think they've been playing at their worst. I just don't think we have seen them at their best yet, which is probably a good thing. And the fact that they're one of three remaining unbeaten teams tells you something right now. And I think we expected that they could be 3-0 and at this point, right, with the start of their schedule and, and quite honestly, 4-0 and because I'm sure you know it already. They are certainly going to be heavily favored against Washington on Sunday in Philadelphia. And then the 49ers are 3-0 and and the Dolphins are 3-0, and right? Yes, and they are an 8.5-point favorite. That is already out. There you go. I think that's probably about fair considering what we watched of the Commanders on Sunday and here we go again and I know you talked about it today uh, and I talked about it at great length yesterday you can't have a measuring stick or a litmus test game and fail it as miserably as the commanders did Sunday well I think it just kind of showed they and this is what I said was I think they hired the wrong offensive coordinator I think that they want to become the greatest show on turf when they belong as the uh, bring back the hogs and run it 40 times I don't know if I'm ready to say they hired the wrong offensive coordinator yet. I will say the jury is certainly out on what he can do because, man, there was a myriad of problems on Sunday. Whether you wanted to point your finger at the quarterback in Sam Howell, whether you wanted to point your finger at the offensive line with nine quarterback sacks, some of which were Howell's fault as much as the offensive line. If you want to point your finger at EB, at Eric Bieniemy because of the play calling, I guess you can do that. I just was if I'm a commander fan, I am I'm I'm tired. I'm kind of over this. Okay, we've won a couple of games and now we've got this measuring stick game and let's see where we are and then you look and see where they are and you don't like what you're seeing. Well, I, I think that they played chess when they didn't have to because I think that they realized that Ron Rivera was not going to last past the season and they wanted Eric Bieniemy to be the head coach and they figured, let's have him be the OC and we can push him over one seat when instead, if he gets another OC job and you still come to him with your head coaching job, I think he would take it because it's a step up. So I think they played chess for once and they should have probably played checkers. Well, um, I'm not quite sure what that analogy means, so you can you know, pontificate on that what? a little bit more. But here's, here's what I said in August, and I'm going to stick with it. If this thing doesn't work, I think they're clearing everybody out. I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think Eric Bieniemy is going to be the next head coach of the Commanders if they fire Ron Rivera. I think they're going to entirely clean house and bring somebody else in to restart this thing. Unless they wind up scoring 30 points a game and finish 6 and whatever that would be, 11, and you know, then you can say, oh, our offense was great, so let's go with our offense corner. But that's not happening for a couple of reasons. One, their offense isn't good enough to do that. And two, their defense is good enough that if they're scoring 30 points a game, they're winning most. They're going 11 and 6, not 6 and 11. I just think, Matt, they're going to, if this happens, I think the enemy's out. I think Del Rio's out. I think Rivera's out. I think they're starting with somebody brand new. We'll see. I, I disagree. I think they moved Eric Bieniemy close enough that they can keep him in the fold when it doesn't work out. That's just my guess. I think they thought that he was going to get hired as a head coach either in this hiring cycle or the next one, and they thought they'd have a better chance of keeping him if they made him the OC and then could just move him one seat over. I think part of that's going to be who's the they that we're talking about because he was hired before the new ownership group came in. Now, they may keep those same football people that made that decision and might be thinking the way that you're thinking, which is a legitimate way to think, certainly. But I just think the ownership group is going to say, we're washing our hands of everything. 
I'm starting over. We're finding some guy out there in the NFL who's going to be our next head coach. I just, I I don't understand. So they spent the whole offseason right after the year ended talking about how they're going to run the ball, they're going to grind clock, they're going to play defense, it's going to be low scoring games. And they went out and got a guy who was the complete opposite. So, like, I clearly Ron Rivera didn't have a choice because I think Ron Rivera would have picked somebody different, maybe a Marty, an, uh, a Marty Morningwig somewhat, or somebody who has more of a run-based uh, system. They went the complete opposite way, almost like they wanted this to fail. Um, I guess my only question there would be they knew the receiving core that they had, right? I mean, I think we all agree this is a pretty legit receiving court so i think they wanted somebody who was going to be able to get the ball to these receivers uh, uh, they could throw the ball to these receivers now that may not be sam howe we're, we're finding that out as we go along here but i i think they actually wanted to throw the ball a little bit in this thing my opinion yeah i mean and that's and that's certainly possible but I'll, I'll point to last year's eagles victory in philadelphia what did they do they ran it 40 plus times they yeah. kept the ball away yeah. from him I don't think Eric Bieniemy is going to have the same thing, and I think that's going to be the issue when Sam Howell turns the ball over or when he gets sacked 9,000 times because they can't block. Agreed on that one. And look, look at what the Eagles did last night. I mean, when you can run the ball like that and control the clock, and I mean, those last nine and a half minutes, you know, that was that was big boy football right there, Matt. I mean, they absolutely proved a point in those last nine and a half minutes on a night when, as we found out later, uh, Jalen Hurts was a little bit under the weather. He didn't look good when you took his helmet off and you saw him on the sideline. I actually remember thinking that. Like, he just looks a little starry-eyed or dazed or something. So it, I do think he was probably, you know, playing a little bit sick last night. And he wasn't He wasn't terrible, but, you know, he wasn't sharp. He wasn't, he wasn't great. And then they put that drive together at the end of the game. I mean, that they just showed their dominance, I thought. And, and it showed how you have to have some sort of balance. They run to set up the pass. Um, the commander's pass to set up the run, and that's just the wrong order for them. Well, that is. I think that's probably the wrong order for almost any team. Maybe save the 70-point-a-game uh, Miami Dolphins right now. And, and even they ran the ball great. Well, they did anything they wanted the other day, as a matter of fact. So, boy, did you have anything on that one? I mean, how did that work in the sports betting world? A 50-point decision. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, if you had the over, you were good. Um, <laughs> if you had the um, if you had the opposition, you weren't fair. If you had the Broncos, uh, maybe you had plus 50. I don't know. But then you would have been good. But other than that, you probably lost. There are a few of those blowouts this weekend, weren't there? I mean, to include the Commanders and the Bills, and there were a couple others uh, in the NFL, and uh, Kansas City and, and Chicago, and I guess the, the really big surprise one was Houston over Jacksonville. That was pretty much a blowout too, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, there was carnage in survivor pools all over the <laughs> yeah. place. How about you? I uh, Kansas City. Come on, Bob. I got to okay. get around these uh, p- these pitfalls here. I had the Kansas City Chiefs, and they took care of business against the Bears. They did. You're, so you're you're alive and well then, huh? Oh, yeah, so far. And this week's an easy one, Bob. The 49ers are hosting the Cardinals, so uh, we're taking the 49ers. Careful there, Matt. People said taking the Cowboys over the Cardinals was a no-brainer, too, and saw how that turned out. Wow. The 49ers have a coach, have a good team, have a, a, a loyal <laughs> fan base. They have everything that Dallas does not. <laughs> this turned out to be a pretty good weekend for those of us that root for the Eagles, wasn't it? Or anybody. I mean, obviously, look, if you're a Commanders fan, you're unhappy you lost, but you still could laugh at Dallas. Sure can. Yep, uh, absolutely. I had some Dallas friends who were just beside themselves 
this weekend over that one. What a shame. Uh, all right, uh, 4.13 on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, excited about what we coming up, have coming up here, particularly in the first hour. Let's tell you about it. Let's get things rolling. Here's what's coming up on today's Sports Huddle. Just a huge fan of the sport. This is the River City Rundown. River City Rundown brought to you by the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. Your help is needed for the Red Cross to continue to be on call for local or national emergencies. To learn how you can volunteer or donate blood, give a visit to redcross.org. Excited about our 430 guests this afternoon. Damian Woody from ESPN is going to join us from Patrick Henry High School in Ashland. Thursday night up there at the Hanover Country Club. He, along with another fine group, will be inducted as the first ever class into the Patrick Henry High Athletics Hall of Fame. And Damian Woody's going to join us at 4.30 to talk about his upbringing, kind of his childhood. They won a state championship at Patrick Henry before he went on to play at Boston College and then uh, all pro in the NFL with a couple of Super Bowl rings with the Patriots and now all the work he's doing on NFL, on ESPN as an NFL analyst. So excited to have him on this afternoon at 4.30. We'll talk some about him and the Hall of Fame and then we'll certainly get into some football topics with him as well. Wide open in the five o'clock hour this afternoon uh, plenty of time for us to go back and forth on all of the topics that we talked about yesterday and matt talked about this afternoon in the three o'clock hour on border to border and whatever else might be on your mind 804-327-0888 that'll get you on the air it's also our text line 327-0888 kind of a yucky day out there too we got a little bit of sprinkling of rain cloudy a little bit on the cool side be careful out there as you're heading home this afternoon and keep it locked in right here sports huddle continues on a mashup tuesday with matt josephs i'm bob black aj producing you're locked into 1061 espn the braves have officially clinched a sixth straight nl east crown up next the postseason and we will have it here on your home for the atlanta braves 1061 espn richmond out the string this week waiting for october to begin now the team they're playing tonight has plenty at stake they are hosting the cubs and chicago is still in the mix for the national league wild card one of the national league wild card spots so we'll have that game tonight at 7 20 705 airtime and yes while we're on the subject of trying to emulate wip sports radio in philadelphia with the eagle talk uh, the Phillies are home tonight against the Pirates, and if they win or if the Cubs or D-backs lose, I think I have that right, Matt, don't I? Either any of that combination, and the Phillies clinch a playoff spot, and they're just about to clinch home field advantage in the wild card series as well. Correct. Both numbers are at one. Yes, at one to do that. So, And Aaron Nola could get it done tonight for the Phillies, and then they can kind of set – their pitching rotation, no matter who they're going to play, whether it's Arizona or Chicago in that series. And then then they would get the Atlanta Braves in a rematch of last year's National League Division Series that the Phillies won uh, three games to one. Uh, all right, so anyway, Braves baseball tonight at uh, 7.05 here on 106.1 ESPN. Who's got it worse right now, Matt? And again, I, I missed your show today. I'm sorry about that. I normally try to catch that, so it's a good lead-in for me and gives me good 
ideas and, and things like that. Um, who's got it worse right now, Virginia or Virginia Tech? Uh, Virginia, because they should have won that game Friday, but they uh, did literally everything they could to lose it. It was terrible, quite frankly. Um, those three consecutive unsportsmanlike conduct penalties for different reasons, I just don't know how they get past that. I mean, there's just so much to clean up from that. All three of them were inexcusable. And I mentioned this too, Matt, because I think Tech had a chance to win. They were in a position to at least tie that game, and they had a false start penalty. That's one thing. You don't want that, obviously. But to me, that was kind of like a football play and a kid jumped before the snap count or whatever it was. They were in the wrong formation. You're going to deal with that. The three penalties that Virginia got just exude undisciplined play by a team that at this point it shouldn't be happening to. Yeah, and some of that's on the coaching. Yes. I, I mean, the the leaping, I, I, it's a stupid rule, but, I mean, you should know it. Like, you should know you can't do that. The, the headbutting a guy after scoring the touchdown, like, you haven't even, you haven't even, you didn't even tie it up yet. You scored the touchdown, you're still losing, and you're headbutting a guy. Like, that's just dumb. And uh, to go back to the leaping one, I had long conversation in the hotel lobby with the Richmond coaches about that and and they were flabbergasted to be honest with you they weren't pointing any fingers but you know the rule and you know how you coach it and certainly they coached it the right way and you just wonder why the kid did he did two things wrong matt and i'll take even a little deeper and again i didn't hear you so i don't know if you know this but you can be one yard beyond the line of scrimmage and make that kind of leap over anybody but the center you can't you can't ever leap on and over the center but this kid for, for, for Virginia, Jackson, right, um, is a linebacker. And he was pretty much lined up in a linebacker spot and took like a, a three- or four-yard running start and then jumped over the center. Like there's there's no way that Virginia's coaches coach it that way. So you just kind of wonder what he was doing. Like if you watch the highlights of the Richmond game, the Spiders had a block PAT in a critical time. And the kid, a true freshman kid, no less, was one yard behind, and he leaped over the right guard who had absolutely no clue what was happening. If you watch it, he is so dumbfounded, he had no idea what happened to him. But there was the way to do it correctly, and then the Virginia way that there's just no way, is what I'm saying, Matt, that they could have coached it to be done that way. Well, and, I mean, or you could do it the Belichick way, where you have the guy sneak off the side and just run yes, full speed correct. at the, the – I mean, that correct. was – I don't know why more people don't do it, and maybe do they will yep. now, but, like yep. – you're just not allowed to, to, to do that. It's just, it's common sense. I mean, and it's just, it, on top of everything else, I mean, look, the Calandria thing, I think, was the least of the problems, although the, it was more the posing than taking the helmet off. His helmet was already kind of coming off, so I can understand that, but, like, then don't pose afterwards. So the officials very emphatically said they called the penalty because he took the helmet off, not because of the the muscle man, Superman pose. But my point is, if for some reason they had missed him taking his helmet off, then they would have flagged him for what he did after that, for the pose, the taunt, and not having his helmet on. Uh, he needed to put the helmet back, and he admitted it after the game. Like you saw it, his chin strap was coming off, but the helmet hadn't come off. He had one of two choices, either rip it off and get a penalty, which is what he did, or pull it back down on your head, which is what you should have done. Now, he's a freshman. You know, I'll, I'll cut him a little bit of slack, but not a lot, to be honest with you, because 
as a quarterback in that situation, you kind of just need to keep your poise and be thinking, okay, we've got the game tied now. Now I need to be thinking about what's going to happen next and what do I need to prepare for next. So all three of them were inexcusable. Well, and but that good news is for UVA fans, Tony Musket looks like he's coming back, which is an absolute wrong decision it's, for them to make as well. I, I said it yesterday when we were talking about it, and I get all these coaches that say, oh, starters don't lose their job because of injury. Sure, you, you can say that all you want, but you know what? Starters keep their jobs because they play really well and give their team a spark and a lift, and I think that's what Calandria has done for a team that is just begging for a spark and a lift. And look, I know he made mistakes and interceptions and the penalty and all that, but I'm with Matt. We don't have anything to argue about here because I just don't see how you can go with anybody but Calandria at quarterback for them, particularly in the next two weeks when you should have, you know, more than a decent chance, right? Boston College and William & Mary, and I say it every time with the qualifier about William & Mary, all due respect to them. Obviously, I'm an FCS guy. I I love what they're doing, but they're an FCS team, and they should not be favored at UVA in that game. So why not play the kid at least the next two weeks and see if he can continue to give your kind of hapless, slothing along team some sort of a spark? Well, yeah, and I think their plan is they're trying to do the whole four-game thing, but I think I would argue that I think he benefits more from playing the whole season or the rest of the season more than just giving him four games and making him watch the garbage that will be out there instead. Well, that's really interesting, and I hadn't thought of that, and I should have, because obviously I live in that world also with looking at true freshmen that play those four games. Has he not played in all four at this point? No, I believe he did not play in the first game. So he would have one more potentially to play in, I guess, and and keep his red shirt. Uh, I'd be playing him Saturday. I would absolutely be playing, because that's the one you really want to get. I mean, you know, hopefully you get William and Mary, and I'm not rooting for one side or the other in that game. But, you know, you're thinking it's an FCS game. They're on the schedule for a reason. You're paying them something to come to Scott Stadium. But Boston College is an ACC game, no matter how bad they are, and it's on the road. And if he could lead you to victory in that game, I think that gives you – there's more of a positive there that, that outweighs it. So, But I get what they would be trying to do by protecting his, his redshirt year, especially in this day and age with how easy it is to get out and transfer. Um, so I, I do understand that, but uh, I'm with you, Matt. I'm playing them. I'm playing them. Yep, because it's a lost season anyway. There's no bowl coming. There's nope. nothing else. And you just you might as well play the kid and let's yep. see what he has. Yep, I'm with you. All right, 427, let's get a break in here. Uh, Damian Woody's going to join us next. You probably know him best over the last, I don't know, decade or so as ESPN NFL analyst. But before that, a terrific NFL player for the Patriots and the Lions and the Jets, uh, pro bowler, won a couple of Super Bowls, and he's going into the Patrick Henry High School Hall of Fame, their first ever class. They've just started an athletic Hall of Fame at Patrick Henry High up there in Ashland where Damian Woody cut his teeth and learned all his fundamentals and won a state championship with patrick henry as well so we'll go back and reminisce with damian woody about his days at patrick henry and certainly talk some nfl football with him both from his playing days and his commentating days as he continues to do that for espn damian woody joins us next on the sports hour second straight playoff appearance out of the caa follow them on their quest every step of the way here on your home for the richmond spiders 1061 espn Richmond football, Saturday, 3 o'clock, uh, 2 o'clock, I beg your pardon, 2 o'clock against Hampton, our airtime at 1.30 here on 106.1 
ESPN. Spiders have a couple of guys on that team from Patrick Henry High up there in Ashland. So maybe our guest here will root for them this weekend as well. But we're rooting for him as he uh, comes back to Patrick Henry High School to be inducted into their first ever Athletics Hall of Fame class. He is Damian Woody, who, as I mentioned before the break, you probably recognize mostly from his time on ESPN over the past decade or so. But obviously, a uh, tremendous career, not only at Patrick Henry, but then at Boston College and on into the NFL Pro Bowl selection, a couple of Super Bowl rings with the New England Patriots. Uh, Damian, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. How are you? I'm well, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? Doing great, and congratulations on another honor to be added here. And look, I just ran off the litany of things you've done at a very high level in the sport of football. Uh, What does this one mean, to be able to go back to kind of your roots where you kind of cut your teeth growing up in Ashland, all of that at Patrick Henry? What does that kind of mean to you? Well, well, listen, uh, first of all, I'm truly humbled by, you know, being uh, inducted into the you know, the first class of the, of uh, Patrick Henry's Hall of Fame. And uh, it means a lot. It means a lot because, you know, you read off all the accolades from college and pro and, and post-career, but everything started there. You know, everything started in, in, in Hanover County and in Ashland, Virginia, and all the people that truly had an influence on my life um, that allowed me to flourish and, and, and allowed me to take the next step uh, collegially and, and well beyond that. Um, so this is an opportunity for me to go back home and really thank all the people that helped help propel me to where I'm at today. What do you remember about the state championship year and that team? I mean, uh, we know what you did on the field, but what do you kind of remember about the, the chemistry of that team, the camaraderie about the guys that made up what eventually became a state championship team? Well, listen, obviously, uh, we were a supremely talented team. We had a lot of guys that went on to uh, play collegiate football. But more importantly, we the, it was the camaraderie and the, and the chemistry. The things that, that that stood out to me the most were, you know, after those Friday night games at home, you know, you had the whole town of Ashland, you know, coming to watch the game. And then all of us would go to the local McDonald's after the game and <laughs> sit down and, and have pound down a whole bunch of cheeseburgers and just having fun doing things, doing teenager type things and, and spending the night over, you know, guys' houses, uh, you know, uh, over the weekend and all those type of things that really help you bond and become closer as teammates, getting to know each other on a more personal level. And I've always felt where this high school, college pro when you have that type of bonding, type of chemistry, it usually reflects on the field, and they did that on the state championship year at Patrick Henry. You think high school football is still like that, Damien? And I know you have kids as well, but but do, do you think it's still kind of that, that Ashland vibe and Ashland feel, and it's Friday night, and we're going to McDonald's and all of that? Because that just that sounded so Americana when you were describing it. Oh, absolutely! I, listen, I, I I live here in New Jersey, and I get this, and I go to Friday night football every Friday, you know, every Friday here in New Jersey, and I hope it's like that because it's so pure, it's so innocent. That's that's what I love about the game of football is you know just the you know the the chemistry and be able to you know uh, you know be able to watch now for me being able to watch these young young kids play the game that I, that I grew up loving and. And just watching them hang out. So I hope it's happening all across the country because to me, there's no better sport than the game of football. 
Uh, you said you're living in Jersey and obviously working for ESPN. Are you, are, you are getting back. Are you getting back for the ceremony Thursday night, Tash? Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'll be. I'll be back. Uh, I'll be back in town uh, Wednesday evening, and and I'm like I said, I'm just looking forward to catching up with everybody and obviously seeing family and friends. And I always love when I get to you know get to get back home to uh, to Hanover County. How much uh, connection is there still with the guys that you played with? with back then and uh i would hope some of them will be able to make it for for the ceremony yeah absolutely i still keep in touch with, with some guys from from those uh teams and patrick henry obviously the 95 team was 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 pretty legendary and it again had a lot of really good players but i still keep in touch with, with quite a few of those guys and you know anytime you have anything special like that happen um you know those you know you're friends for life man so even though it's been, you know, decades, you know, since that happened, you know, I'm still, you know, in touch with a lot of those guys, and our friendship is going to last, last a lifetime. Well, let's fast forward a little bit. Uh, again, congrats on that honor. We know Thursday night's going to be great. Uh, I know a couple of those folks personally who have put this thing together, and they have worked the long, hard hours to get this thing done for this year, and they're very excited to have you back and, and all of the inductees in this in this first class at, at Patrick Henry. So, so we've got three remaining unbeaten teams, right, in the NFL. Has that surprised you at all that there are only three at this point and that they are the 49ers, Dolphins, and Eagles? Uh, it's not surprising. Um, there's a lot of parity going on in the National Football League right now. Obviously, those three teams that you're talking about, they've been playing outstanding football. You know, the, the 49ers, they're su- such a physical team. they got a lot of, lot of skill. Uh, same with the Philadelphia Eagles, very physical on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And the Miami Dolphins are like, I've, I've, I've already said already, it seems like they're the uh, greatest show on turf reincarnated. That that St. Louis Rams team that was high flying, you know, back in the late '90s, early 2000s. So, uh, you know, it, it's great. I love the game, love pro football, and where it's at right now. But we still got a long ways to go in this season. A lot of things could happen. What did you think when you watched 70 points go up on the on the board there, Damien? <laughs> Listen, quite frankly, I've never seen a, a pro football game where you have that many points and, and obviously that many yards. But, you know, listen, that Miami Dolphins team, they, uh, they're, like a, they're like a track team. They're about, it's literally the fastest team that, I, that I've witnessed in quite some time. And obviously, Tua Tungavailoa, their quarterback, is playing outstanding football. Uh, we said coming to the season that, hey, if he's able to stay healthy, they're going to be a very dangerous team. And uh, and this and they're they're proving it. They're proving everybody right right now. So I got to ask you this question because my producer asked me to ask you this question. AJ, who connected with you to get you on the air with us, he said, "Ask Damian if Bill Belichick would have gone for the field goal at the end just to set the record." <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I Do think you? So that ah. you know, I absolutely think so. That you know. That that's just that would be a classic Bill, you know, and uh, you know I just I truly feel like Bill would have done that. Wow, I went the other way, but you obviously played for him. You you know better than I do. Um, that yeah, been... yeah, yeah. Bill, listen, <laughs> you know, Bill is is, is listen. Bill, when Bill has an opportunity to to take it to you, he'll do it. Well, my producer got that one right. Kudos to you, AJ. I'm taking what Damien said as, as gospel. Here. Thanks, what Damien. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, pro- <laughs> no problem. Uh, and that was unrehearsed, absolutely unscripted. What do you think Bill Belichick is going through right now with this team that he's got that is probably mediocre at best? 
Yeah, well, listen, when you don't have Tom Brady, right, it, 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 you know, it, things get a lot more difficult. But, listen, you know, this Patriots, that Patriots team, they, they got a really good defense. They got one of the best defenses in the National Football League. Then the main problem with the Patriots right now is the lack of speed and athleticism on the outside on offense. Uh, Mac Jones is, you know, listen, he's, he's, he's a serviceable quarterback. He knows how to distribute the football. Uh, but they just don't have the explosive playmakers on the perimeter. And that's, I think, in today's game, you know, you need that. You need guys that can take the top off the defense, and they don't really have that in New England. Hey, um, I really think, Damian, one of the hardest things to do in sports, football or any sports, is to repeat as champions. You know, it's hard to get to the top of the mountain. It's even harder to stay there. Can I mean, I know they can repeat, but what do you think about the Chiefs' chances of repeating this year? Well, listen, when you got Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, anything is possible, right? I mean, you're talking about arguably – I wouldn't even say arguably. They are the best duo, court, uh, coach-quarterback combination in the National Football League right now. Uh, you know, listen, it is very hard to repeat, you know, for a couple reasons. Number one, in order for you to win a Super Bowl, a lot of things have to go right. You got to be – obviously, you got to be talented. You got to be playing well. You got to – like, you got to be injury-free. And you got to have a little bit of luck on your side. And when you come up, when you come off of winning a, a championship, what tends to happen is every team brings their A game. Mm-hmm. So you're you're literally every team Super Bowl. It is very hard to do, and that's why the last team to do it was the O three O four Patriots. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think the uh, Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift? thing is a is a distraction there to the Kansas. You think Andy Reid is like shaking his head going, what is going on here? Uh, well, listen, it, it's definitely caused a stir and, it, and it's been the talk of the National Football League for this past week, but but listen, I, I think uh, you know, I think all the uh, players are enjoying, you know, getting, uh, getting acquainted with the Swifties is, is what they call I think that's I think that's what the young folks call them now, the Swifties. So, you know, it's a uh, it's, uh, it's an unusual marriage going on, but you know, listen, sports is all is all about entertainment, right? So I'm mm-hmm. all about being entertained. <laughs> Absolutely. A couple more for you, David, and then we'll let you go. And uh, looking forward to having you back here in town. But and you know, from having grown up here, Central Virginia, Ashland, Richmond, this whole area is in the heart of Washington football country, and they've been long-suffering fans down here. Is there anything you can say to our audience of Washington fans that would be helpful? at this point for the future success of that franchise? Yeah, well, listen, I think first and foremost, having new ownership is, is a huge sour relief. You know, this organization is and this organization that I grew up on, grew up loving, um, you know, coming up. Um, that's a huge part of it, man. Just This organization has just been through the ringer as far as Dan Snyder's tenure is concerned. Now you're able, the organization is able to turn the page. Hopefully this new ownership group will guide this team into – you know, more prosperous uh, times moving forward. Um, but listen, as far as the product on the field, obviously that was a, you know, it was a lopsided loss against the Buffalo Bills. But listen, I think Sam Howell is a young guy who has a lot of potential. They got weapons. They got weapons on offense. Obviously the defensive line and the defense as a whole is pretty good. It's going to take, you, you got to keep continue to coach, coach up the young quarterback and Sam Howell. If he continues to improve, this team can make the playoffs this year. Were you a uh, so you were a Washington fan growing up here? Absolutely, absolutely. Huh. I'm a, I grew up on I grew up on the Hogs and Joe Gibbs and mm-hmm. you know all those guys. So I'm definitely at my core, you know, Washington fan. 
Well, look, we talked a little bit about your Patriots days in the Super Bowl, so just in the interest of fair time, let me have you make one quick comment on the other teams that, that you played for, and then one more and we'll wrap it up. Um, are you a believer in the Detroit Lions? A lot of people are jumping on their bandwagon. And how bad do you feel for the Jets? And, of course, there's another local guy who's running the Jets uh, up there, the, the, their general manager, who's, who's from our area here as well, and a rival school of yours, when Joe Douglas, when he was when he was growing up. But a quick comment on the Lions. Are you a believer in them? And what happened with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets? Yeah, so I am a big I am a believer in the Lions. I think, you know, obviously the Lions have been a long-suffering organization. Uh, but I think Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, their general manager, have done a really good job of creating the culture environment um, for them to thrive. I think they're, they're I think they have a lot of really good pieces, um, you know, throughout their team. They're a young team, an up and coming team, and I think they have an opportunity now that Aaron Rodgers is left the NFC North. They have a prime opportunity to win that division. They got a big one uh, this Thursday, I believe, mm-hmm. against the yeah. Green Bay Packers. So. That's going to be a huge game uh, within the division. But, yes, I like the trajectory of the, of the Detroit Lions. And as it relates to uh, the New York Jets, listen, obviously the Jets organization pushed all of their chips in with Aaron Rodgers, and rightfully so because he's a four-time league MVP, one of the best quarterbacks that, that, we've, that we've ever seen, ever witnessed. And uh, the unfortunate Achilles injury kind of derailed everything there. But, you know, listen, I don't blame Joe Douglas one bit. Joe Douglas is a, is a friend of mine. Uh, been knowing Joe Douglas for a long time, and obviously you talked about him being a local product, going to you know Lee Davis High School. Uh, but listen, it's a long season. You got to you got to course correct if you're the Jets organization, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward. Hey, last one for you, Damian. You were great at what you did when you were wearing the shoulder pads and helmet, and you're great at what you're doing now with a microphone. Why'd you do it? Why'd you jump right into broadcasting? You know, I always had a passion, uh, passion, obviously a love for the game of football. And and uh, for me, it was, uh, you know, I always found the media very interesting, uh, very, very easy going for me. And uh, it was something during my playing career I had worked, you know, start, kind of built up towards, uh, you know, being in the media. Uh, when I signed with the New York Jets in the latter part of my career, I knew at that point in time that I wanted to get involved in the media. And so, you know, while I was playing, I was interning with the local sports network, then with ESPN, and then when my career finally came to came to an end and back in uh, 2010, I just transitioned to ESPN, and, and it's been on ever since. That's amazing. That That is awesome. Great game plan that you had. It's working out working out great. Uh, thank you so much for the time. Really enjoyed it this afternoon. And I know the folks that will be with you uh, when you get into town and at the event on Thursday are really going to be thrilled to catch up with you and, and tell some great stories while you're back with all your buddies there, David. All right? Gentlemen, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's really been a pleasure talking to you guys. Again, congratulations. Damian Woody, uh, he was terrific. Uh, you obviously watch him on ESPN. And, yeah, the ceremonies, a few tickets still available, by the way. If you're interested, if you got intrigued by listening to, uh, to Damian, there are some tickets available uh, for the Patrick Henry High School Athletic Hall of Fame. Again, it's Thursday evening. The event starts around 530. It's at the Hanover Golf Club. Uh, tickets are $35. I think you go to their Facebook page and secure tickets uh, to go up to the event. And as I mentioned yesterday, 
today. The other inductees include the late great uh, Ray Tate. His family will certainly be there to accept on, on his behalf. Ray, of course, was my broadcast partner uh, for 20 years with the Richmond Spiders after his playing days were done and coaching days were done at the University of Richmond. Eddie Webb, Ray Long, Sonia uh, Freedy Kinney, Donnie Morris, Dominic Smith, Lizzie Powell Hissy. The rest of the uh, first class of inductees in the Patrick Henry High School Athletics Hall of Fame. Again, greatly appreciate Damian Woody for spending the time with us this afternoon. All right, we'll take a break. Matt, we'll jump back in. We'll finish it up with some final thoughts, get you up to 5 o'clock, and then I'll take you home until 6. Sports Huddle continues on a Tuesday afternoon on 106.1 ESPN. Betting advice? He's got it. Hot takes? He's got plenty. Love for your favorite team? Well, you'll just have to tune in weekday afternoons from 3 to 4 for Border to Border with Matt Josephs to find out how he feels on 1061 ESPN Richmond. So I really thought the most fun part of that conversation with Damian Woody was when I did ask the A.J. question about Bill Belichick and would he have kicked the field goal just to set an NFL record for points in a game. Matt, am I going to be the only one here? Am I going to be the outlier? I would not have kicked that field goal. A.J. absolutely would have. Uh, Bill Belichick apparently would have. Damian Woody made it sound like, hey, he probably would have as well. I, I wouldn't have, would you? Um... I don't know. I, I mean, I've, I've, I've scored a lot of points on Madden at times, Bob, so I probably would have. Yeah. South I, Beach I, Rob said he would, too. Wow. I don't, I'm, I'm with Mike McDaniels on this one. I, I'm not doing that. Like I said yesterday, if it happened in the normal course of the offense, like if they had had the ball and they'd run it in for a touchdown because the Broncos just stink and couldn't tackle them, their third or fourth string running back, fine. But to just bring out the field goal team just to do that, uh, I just, I don't know. Sooner or later, you got to play them again somewhere, uh, somewhere down the road. And, you know, paybacks are hell, as they like to say. I I don't think I would have done it. Bill Belichick certainly would do it now. Like, he's he's got a lot to, you know, he's got everything under his belt. He doesn't need to worry about it at this point. But I don't think I was doing it. And it wouldn't have mattered in a point spread at all, Matt, right? No, it would not have mattered. <laughs> it would certainly not. It would certainly not have mattered in that case. But pretty interesting stuff. Pretty cool stuff. He's pretty good, isn't he, Matt? I think, uh, you know, we see him on TV all the time. But uh, he's pretty smooth. And I love the fact that he, you know, he had a game plan, right, at the end of his playing career. I, I wonder if, if he purposely signed with the Jets so that he could get his foot into the New York media market. Uh, it's possible, although we've seen people from all sorts of places get in there, so I don't think it's a prerequisite, but it's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty impressive that he had kind of the game plan already in place. And you know what else is, is pretty impressive? He survived, right? All these cuts at ESPN, and, and he's still going, right? Yes, he is. Uh, yeah. Poor Susie Colbert, not the case. Some others, yeah. It's, it's, it's good for us that he's still there, though. Yes, I, I would absolutely agree with that. And great that he's coming back. Uh, great that he's coming back and being able to make that event. As he said, he lives up there in, in Jersey now, but uh, it definitely sounds like he keeps tabs on things and he gets down here uh, from time to time. So, again, that's that's coming up on Thursday night, so that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, anything else in your hour that you want to touch upon again here, Matt, that I missed today? Um. I mean, certainly uh, your thoughts on Colorado and, and some of the uh, reaction that they got for their uh, loss against uh, Oregon. I'm still a primetime guy. 
I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a fan. I think they're going to do good things. I think they're going to lose again this week, even though they're at home. I get that with USC. And as he said, you better get me now because I think he brought in good talent, but I think he's going to bring in better talent moving forward. And, again, I say it all the time. He's just doing what the rules are telling him he can do at this point. So uh, I would not be unfazed by that. I didn't think they were going to win Saturday anyway. I'm not sure I thought it would be that 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 wide of a margin um i don't know i'm i'm still in on on prime time are you i i love what he's doing for the sport as a fan of the sport i love it uh it gives people somebody to root against because you remember there's all sorts of teams that people don't like the old florida state teams the old miami teams notre dame anytime like uh you know it's good to have a heel as i've talked about with you before in this sport for people who need one yep i'm with you on this one i'm all in on on primetime. So uh, all in on JMU too, huh? How about what they did? And, and how impressive is that three-week run by the Dukes? Uh, yeah. And they showed they can win. They won the emotional game. They won the shootout. And they won the defensive game. So they've shown that they can do it. And the most important impressive thing, Bob, is the fact that they're – it's not that they're doing it for nothing, but they essentially are doing it for nothing. They're doing it for school pride because the conference won't even recognize them as division champs if they are once again. Yeah, they won't, but they'll do that themselves. And I, I, I said on the air yesterday, I think these guys have made peace with that situation, and, and they're now using it to, to their true true advantage, for sure. Uh, good stuff, Matt. Uh, we'll be listening for you tomorrow, back border to border at 3 o'clock, and we will catch up soon. Sounds good. There goes Matt Josephs for today, our Mashup Monday on a Tuesday. I think next week we might be actually back to Mashup Monday on Monday if the schedules play out. Accordingly, we will have baseball playoffs beginning next week, too. So that's going to factor in uh, to our schedule when they play some afternoon baseball games. And the Braves wait upon the winner of one of the wild card series. All right, hour two of the Sports Huddle will be wide open. We'd love to hear from you. 804 327 0888. ESPN Sports Center update at the top of the hour and then back on the other side. Sports Huddle continues on 1061 ESPN. For some, it's the luxury that captivates.